So you guys know how it goes when I have a migraine. Um, the migraine clouds my thinking, and also the migraine meds I have, they cloud my thinking as well. So there's really no telling what I'll say today, but that's all right. I praise God for migraines because he had this specifically in mind. He knew exactly what he was doing. He allowed me to have a migraine today, and I'm okay with that. You know, I, I know that sometimes we, we look at our lives and we say, well, that must be the devil attacking us or what have you. I don't know if you've ever read Job, but in Job, um, the devil is not able to do anything that God does not allow him to do. So I am thankful for the fact that I have a migraine today, which sounds weird, but that's where I'm at. Um, migraines... Uh, you know, they, they uh, I told somebody a minute ago, they don't, they don't kill you, but they make you wish you were dead, you know, so that's just uh, how difficult a migraine can be. But today, um, as I was thinking about what it is that God would have us to talk about, um, I, 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 you know, I told you that this isn't a series, this isn't like, I've got this whole string of messages put together where, uh, where we're going to do this, this, and this, or we're going to go through this book, it's just going to be whatever God kind of shows me from week to week, I'm going to try my best to bring that to you. So uh, if you watched, uh, if you watched, if you looked at my Facebook page this week, you probably saw a story that uh, I, I shared with everybody. It's a story about human trafficking. It was a very real and very close to home story about human trafficking. So I want to share that story with you today. Um, I, today has been one of those days, I'll go ahead and tell you, because I went to print this out uh, here at the church computer and uh, when I started to print out this story as well as something else, some statistics on human trafficking, uh, all I got was some smiley faces, some check boxes, some, some, some exclamation points, and it was nothing that I could read. So I'm going to read this from my phone, which I don't typically do, uh, but just to share this with you. Um, see, the struggle is real. Uh, it doesn't even, uh, it doesn't even matter if uh, you know, you're here in the church. The struggle still gets real sometimes. This has happened in Huntsville, Alabama. It began in late January with a lost car in the parking garage of the Huntsville International Airport the in, the, and ended with several airport employees stopping what the home, Department of Homeland Security and Transportation Administration confirmed as an attempted human trafficking incident, the first known incident of its kind at HVS, HV, HSV, which is the Huntsville uh, Airport name. It was a normal day. I was walking back to the office, said Jana Cooner, customer service manager for the airport. That's when she noticed a woman in the airport who appeared to be panicked and lost. It was a lady who had lost her car in the parking garage, Cooner said. She couldn't remember what floor she was on, and she was frantic. In helping her find her car, Cooner and the woman struck up a conversation in which the woman shared how excited she was for her daughter who had answered an ad for a modeling job in Phoenix. The modeling agents, in quotes, had bought her an airline ticket, and, the, and her mother had just dropped her off at the terminal to go meet them. Cooner had been trained to recognize human traffickers, uh, that they often use manipulation or false promises of fame and fortune, uh, well-paying acting and modeling jobs or romantic relationships that lure vulnerable victims into trafficking situations. Following her gut feeling, Cooner called, the public, safety, uh, called public safety to go with her to find the woman's daughter. Cooner approached the young woman at the gate and let her know that she'd met with her mom and about the modeling opportunity. As they talked, the young woman, young woman was uh, being inundated with text and supposedly from the modeling agency. Where are you? Have you boarded? Are you alone? Cooner was unable to convince the 21-year-old that there might be a problem. 
She and the public safety officer encouraged her to get reassurances from the agency that they were legitimate. And in the meantime, offered to have police escort, a police escort meet the young woman at her destination. Cooner spoke with a young woman from the modeling agency on the phone, letting them know that she had arranged an escort. The intent was hopefully that if it was a legitimate operation, they wouldn't go through with it, Cooner said. And that's exactly what happened. Almost immediately after the victim boarded the flight, the young woman received text from the agency saying they had canceled her flights. They knew that people were watching and they had canceled, Cooner said. Authorities now uh, certain she was are now certain she was walking into a human trafficking trap and believe she had already been sold before boarding the plane. The victim got off the plane, and the Department of Homeland Security, the Transportation Security Administration, and the police got involved right away. Authorities later confirmed that the supposed modeling agency this young woman was in contact with was connected to human trafficking. Airport employees were thankful for the training they received and alerted them to question the situation. And the moral of the story is to look out for each other And if you see something, say something. This is in the Huntsville Airport in January. Um, It's just very eye-opening. You know, the the media tends to get very uh, hyped up about stuff. I wish they would get hyped up more about human trafficking. I wish that we could get the same kind of publicity about human trafficking as we do the coronavirus, right? Like, coronavirus has gone viral, right? Like, so to speak. Um, (laughs) I couldn't avoid that one, right? So... uh, the coronavirus, I actually just got an email before I got up here uh, from my company that said that um, all employees, 50,000 employees across the world that belong to my company are to work from home, if at all possible, that they're not supposed to go into the office. That's a pretty dramatic response to what's going on with the coronavirus. Um, for most healthy people, it really is nothing more than a respiratory infection that you get over in a few days, but... The media has very much hyped this up, and it's, it's very much a thing. And now if the companies don't respond to it, they look like they're negligent in some way. So now companies like mine, are, we got 50,000 employees. They said if, you're, if it's not essential for you to be in the office, do not come into the office. And then not all non-essential travel, whether it's domestic or international, they said it's to be stopped until May 31st. So, I mean, like, it is just, it's crazy. And I've got a phone call at noon today to talk with my boss and some others about how it is that we're going to, address these concerns and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I, I just wish that something like human trafficking would, would get the same kind of publicity that something like the coronavirus does. Because um, I'm going to give you some statistics now about human trafficking that happen every day and have been happening for a long time, and, and, and yet they don't get the same kind of publicity that coronavirus has gotten, and it's just started back in October. So let me give you a few of those statistics. Once again, I have to read these off my phone. 40 million people trapped. There are 40.3 million people held against their will in slavery today. And it says, this, this is actually from the End It Movement website. It says, we believe that even one is too many, which is absolutely true. 40.3 million people held against their will in slavery today. The, um, the number of, of dollars involved in this, $150 billion every year. Slavery is outlawed in every country around the globe, globe, but the problem still persists in 87% of those nations. 71% of the people enslaved are women and girls. One in four children, a quarter of all the victims of modern slavery are children. 
It says, we must protect the most vulnerable. It is uh, it's something that's, that's so often neglected. It's something that's, that's not really, doesn't get the same kind of media attention that something like the coronavirus does. And this is something that happens every day. This is something that goes on in, in, in our own backyard. And we talked about this last year around this time. Uh, we had a whole big thing around the end of movement. We showed a video around the fact that this, this interstate that's right here, I mean, just a few hundred yards from where we stand, is, is one of the super highways of human trafficking. And, and it's right here in our own backyard. Uh, and just like the, the, uh, the story that I read to you that happened in Huntsville, just like that, if you see something, say something. Uh, I think that we as a church have to be more aware and we have to see what's going on. We don't need to turn a blind eye to things. We need to actually have open eyes and open ears to see what's going on around us. And I think that we need to say something and we need to do something. But you know what? Beyond that, I believe that as the church, we need to be the, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in such a way that we are able to reach out to people that, that are, are in need. <laughs> because we know, as God's word says, he who is, he is set free is free indeed. Uh, it, it, not, just, not just like he, he's free if Jesus has set him free, but he is free for real. And we need to be people of that voice and people that are carrying that message to the world. And we're going to read a story here today. I got to thinking about this. This was just on my mind and on my heart last night. And, and I, I just kind of got excited about the fact that, that thinking about human trafficking, there is an example of slavery that we see in Acts chapter seven, 16 that I want to tell you about today. And I, I don't know how long this will last, but I, I, maybe just today or maybe for a couple of Sundays. I don't know. But we see a, a woman with a seeking heart for a God, and we see a woman who is in slavery. And we're going to be looking at both of those women uh, in, in the next uh, few minutes, and we're going to look and see what God's Word has to say about that. Um, there, there's an example in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke are actually traveling around, and the gospel is spreading. It, it, it's, it's spreading all the way into Europe now. It's pushing its way into Europe, and, and they're taking this message, and they're setting up churches and setting up elders in the churches and encouraging churches to grow and to spread this gospel message, and they encounter lots of people as they do that. And we're going to read about two different women that they encounter in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to talk about their interactions with them and what happens with these two particular women. God has always used women very instrumentally in the message of Jesus Christ. And here's another example of how God is using these two particular women to spread that message as well. And we're going to see that in Acts chapter 16 today. In Acts chapter 16... Beginning of verse 13, we see this. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And then we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. So, so here we've got, um, it, it's Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke, and they're all traveling around, and they, they, they meet with these people that were gathered to, uh, to pray. And they sat with some women who were gathered there. I don't think necessarily it was all women that were gathered there, but there were some women that were gathered there. And these guys sat with them and started talking to them. One of them was Lydia of Thy from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. So here is a lady who was from Thyatira. They happened to, to, to sit down with these women, and they're praying by the riverbank. And, and here they are. They inter interact with this lady named Lydia. And she, she's basically a maker of purple. Purple in those days was something that was kind of hard to come by. So um, it, was, it was very prominent in this particular area that she lived. So she was a maker of purple. She, she dyed things purple. So that was kind of how she made her living. That was what she did for a job. 
And so they're sitting down and they're talking with her. And it says from the very beginning, it says, she was a person who worshiped God. And so that's a very good indication that she was a believer. To truly worship God as it would be recorded in God's word. Uh, according to Paul here, I would assume that she would be a believer, a true believer. As she listened, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked to be, asked us to be her guest. So what, what's happened here is that she's sitting there. They come together for prayer. This lady... Um, who just happens to be with Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, and she's just hanging around, and, and she started to believe what Paul said. She started to believe that what he said was true about Christ. And what is that message? The message is this, that, that who the Son has set free is free indeed, right? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the fact that Jesus came for the purposes of rescuing the whole world from themselves and bringing them to the saving knowledge of God, which comes through Jesus Christ. So he's preaching that message just like Paul did everywhere that he went. This particular day is no different. And he's teaching this message, and this lady, she comes to the saving faith of Jesus Christ, and what happens? It says that she was baptized, and her whole family was baptized. I think that's very cool, by the way. I think the fact that this lady came to faith in Christ, and then, then her whole family, she obviously had some influence in her family. They listened to whatever she said, so, so it started with her, and then before long, it was everybody in the family that came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and was baptized. You see this so many times in, in the church, somebody in the family comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They get baptized. People see them get baptized, and then what happens? They're like, oh, man, you know, if this person that is so critical in my life, so important in my life, thought it was important enough for them to believe in Jesus Christ, make this public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, maybe that's something I need to take seriously myself. And, and we see that happen a lot, and sometimes it'll propagate like a virus through the whole family, you know. Um, Dawn apparently has, uh, who normally plays our bass up here, but Mike is playing in place of her. Um, she's apparently got the flu, and then like both of her daughters have the flu too. So, um, you know, she's apparently got an influence on her kids too. Uh, <laughs> but in this particular example, this lady is, is she comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ, and then and then the whole family follows suit, and they all get baptized as a result. Uh, Lydia is, is a very good example of what happens when, when Christ comes into a family. And you see that, that what she does immediately after that is, and she asked us to be her guest. Hospitality was a very big thing in that day and time. So she comes to the saving knowledge of Christ and she wants to, these guys who had influenced her and brought her this good news, she wants them to come and hang out with her. Like that's, that's what she desires. And, and she goes on to insist that that be the fact. As a matter of fact, she says, if you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, then come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. So she, she just annoyed the mess out of them until they finally said, yeah, we'll come hang out with you, okay? Like, she's very persuasive, you know? So she says, you know, you guys come and hang out with us. And, and if you really believe that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then you, you come and, and hang out. And, and so that's kind of where the story ends with Lydia. That's, that's where it ends with her. But then we see another Somebody else who's on the opposite end of the spectrum who is actually in slavery. And that's the lady we're going to kind of focus on a little bit today. Um, this lady who is enslaved by these, these men. One day as we were going down the place of prayer, I assume it's probably the same place. It's the fact that it's kind of tied to the previous story. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling 
They're by telling uh, fortunes. So she was a fortune teller, right? All right, so I got to say a little something about fortune telling, right? Palm readers, <laughs> your horoscope, all those kinds of things. It's not of God, in case you're wondering. In case you got questions about that and you're like, ah, I, I, you know, and you know, I'm an Aries, by the way, I know that. But that's not because I like to read my fortune and figure out what's going to happen to me in the next few days or if I'm going to have a good week or a bad week. I'll go ahead and tell you right now that the newspaper and what they post about whether or not I'm going to have a good week or a bad week does not determine whether I'm going to have a good week or a bad week. What determines whether I'm going to have a good week or a bad week is Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, I'm always going to have a good week. Am I right about that? So, so it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm an Aries or when my birthday is or where I am on the Chinese calendar or any of that kind of mess. What matters is the fact that Jesus Christ is the one who has rule and reign in my life. And because he does, I've always got the opportunity to have a good week. Sometimes I make bad choices. I don't have such a good week. That's, that's life. But the reality is because Jesus Christ rules and reigns in my life, I've always got this opportunity to have a good week. Okay, Something that goes beyond just the temporal things in this world that is an eternal good week that I will have forever because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, so if you're, if you're banking on the newspaper to tell you whether or not you're going to have a good week or a bad week, you're going about it the wrong way. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. If you go to a fortune teller, a palm reader, whatever, that's going to tell you that you're going to have a good week or a bad week or who drives the red car that's going to have an accident. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all have been to those fortune tellers. They're going to tell you, oh, who is it in your life that owns the red car? You, you know what I'm saying? Like The red car person, you need to be on the lookout for them because they're going to have an influence in your life that's going to be very negative. And you go, I know somebody with a red car. <laughs> I do. And you know what? They have had a negative influence in my life. <laughs> this lady must be onto something. You know what I mean? <laughs> y'all are laughing because some of y'all been there. Y'all been to that lady, and you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and you gave her 20 bucks, and she really wanted 40. You know what I'm talking about, Okay. Sorry. Um, perfect transparency. I'm not pointing the finger at y'all because I'm pointing the finger at me too. When I was a high school student, I went to one of those ladies. She gave me the same story that she gave y'all. The person, the, the card color changes sometimes. It goes from red to blue or black or whatever, but, but it's still pretty much the same thing. So anyway, I'm just telling you that that's all garbage. And if there is any truth to whatever they say, it comes from Satan. So, it, you know, I don't think that you want that truth. I don't think that you need to embrace that truth. I think that if you do, then, then you're going the opposite way of the way God would have you to go, and that is to trust in him with everything that you have, and everything that's going to happen in your life belongs to him. And, and, and if somebody can tell you what's going to happen in the future, it comes from somebody that's not of God, okay? So anyway, long story short, this lady's making a lot of money. Um, that should be an indicator right there if something's good or bad, right? I hate to say that. Um, I'm not saying that, that every, every minister in the world that, that, that makes a lot of money off their ministry is, is doing something wrong, right? But if they are, if there's a lot of money that comes out of it and they're making a lot of money and their house is really big, you should really look extra carefully at those people, okay? Like, um, there's, there's one church, um, I can't remember, it's Elevated Church or something like that, something along those lines. But anyway, their, their pastor was trying to convince them, um, okay, I was actually kind of making a joke there. But anyway, so their pastor was trying to convince everybody about how he didn't really have a big house and like he really wasn't making a whole lot of money off the church. Well, 
he, he thought that it would be wise to show everybody how he didn't have a big house. Well, in order to be able to get all the pictures of the house to show the congregation, they had to fly over it with a helicopter because of the, the community that he was in was so exclusive that you really couldn't drive in there and take a bunch of pictures. They had to fly over it with a helicopter. You know, and he's showing the pictures to everybody in, in, the, in, in the church. Like, see, it's not really that big of a house. You can get it in this one frame if you're 10,000 feet above it in a helicopter, you know. And, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so ridiculous. But I'm not saying that, that every minister that, that has money from, from the, the work that they do for Christ is bad. I'm just saying you need to look very carefully at it if somebody is making a lot of money, okay? That's all I'm saying. Uh, you need to look at what they're doing and how they're using that and where their God is, okay? So here what we see is that they're making a lot of money off this lady because she tells the future. It says she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. So the money is not going to her, it's going to her masters, okay? She followed Paul and the rest shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. So she's shouting, these men are, are men of the Most High God and they're, they're telling you how to be saved. And you would think, well, that's a good thing, right? That's not how the message of Jesus Christ really works. The message of Jesus Christ is one where it's me and you, telling you sitting down telling you the truth of Jesus Christ it could be in a very public setting. It could be in a very private setting. But it's not about shoving the gospel of Jesus Christ down your throat. It's about telling you how you can be saved, how you can be rescued. That not just that, 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 that these men can tell you how to be saved. It's to actually tell you what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. It's not about those men. It's always about Jesus Christ. And here this woman is shouting. And it's almost like she's mocking them and, and making fun of them and following them around. It says, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, he turned and shouted and said to the demon within her. So, so she's yelling this stuff at him, and then, and then Paul just says, enough's enough, y'all. Like, I've had enough. I can't handle it anymore. And he, he's been patient enough day after day, and finally he just turns around and starts talking to the demon. So he's not talking to the woman. He's talking to the demon that is inside her. Oh, you mean, you mean the lady that was telling the fortunes had a demon inside her? Hmm. Not good. Okay. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it, it left her. So here's a woman in slavery, demon-possessed. They're making a lot of money off of her. And, and, and what I want to say here, excuse me, I'm dying up here. Sometimes my uh, migraines make my nose run. And I don't want to spread the coronavirus all the way out to you on the front row. I apologize. That has never happened to me before. I was just afraid it was going to drip right here on the stage, and then I'd be so embarrassed. Instead, I'm just talking about it. See, this is, this is how I get to be like y'all, and you're like, oh, okay. I may put him on a pedestal, but he's just an idiot like the rest of us. I, yeah, no doubt about that. So anyway, so these guys are making a lot of money off of her. And, and by the way... Um, I think that the indication here, and I don't know how she got into slavery, I really don't know, but I know this is a demon-possessed woman that is in slavery, and, and, and these guys are taking advantage of her. And I think that sometimes that when we look at these, these situations of human trafficking, these human, human slavery situations, it is people that are searching, and maybe they're searching in the wrong place for the wrong kind of fulfillment in their life. She, wasn't, she didn't have a searching heart for, heart for God like Lydia did, the maker of purple, she, she, had, she, she was going the wrong direction. She was in the opposite direction of God, and, and she was demon-possessed. And, 
And what is, what is so heartbreaking about that is, man, as the church, we can be such a light to the world that, that if we would reach out to these people before the, the people that are trying to enslave them would reach out to them, then we could tell them what the truth is. And, and maybe the, the, the whatever that they were following before, that they'll turn away from that and turn towards the true light and what will truly give them fulfillment. See, I think that we've got to give them a direction and we've got to reach out to them before the human traffickers do. And I got to thinking about that lady in Huntsville that was, man, she, she was searching for something, looking for something. There was this modeling contract that was going to give her fame and fortune. Man, imagine if the church had reached out to her first and said, you know what? There is no amount of fame or fortune that is going to give you satisfaction like Jesus Christ. There is no amount of, of hope that some agency can give you in California like the hope that can come from Jesus Christ who is eternal and he exists in California and Alabama and in China for everywhere he exists. And man, he is the only one that will give you the kind of satisfaction and the fame and the fortune that you really need. And that is to be a born again child of God. To, to be an heir to the throne of the King of Kings, man, that is the only place you're really going to find fame and fortune that is really going to last and sustain you. See, that's what broke my heart about that, that little story in Huntsville. I was like, man, imagine if the church had gotten to her first, if the people of God had gotten to her first. But who got to her first? It was people that had promised her something that will, will forever keep her empty, forever keep her empty. Even if it turned out to be legit, and she went to this modeling agency, she'd still be empty. She'd still be empty. And this, this lady that, that is demon-possessed, these guys got a hold of her and were using her. It is an example of human trafficking because these men were using her for their own benefit, for their own fame, for their own fortune, trying to get what they could get from her. They didn't care about her. They only cared about what they could get from her. And that is supposed to be the difference in the church. We are supposed to care about the people. We're supposed to care about the people of this world and not what we can get from them. Not so that they can come in here and give money to the church so the church can be bigger. We come to the people because the people are what matter because those are the things that matter to God, that God cares about the people. Yeah. It's the message that reaches them. Yeah. The message that they are loved, that they are created in the image of God, that they, they, they have this perfection that is available to them through Jesus Christ. And no matter what they have done in the past or what they have sought for in the past or looked after or whatever, that they can be made perfect and they can find true fulfillment in the power of God through Jesus Christ. See, I, that's the message. That's the message to this lady. And unfortunately, she, she had an encounter with Paul in such a way that he, he finally just had to cast the demon out of her. And then what happens? What happens after he casts the demon out of her? Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they couldn't, even, they couldn't make money off of her anymore. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. What, what, what is it that they're teaching? They're, they're te this is what they were in violation of. See, the Romans believed that there, there was one that they were to worship, and that was the emperor of Rome, and that was to be their God. They were teaching that there was another God. They were teaching that, that, that they could be rescued and they could be saved, and there was a power that was above the Roman power, and that is the power of God through Jesus Christ. And so they dragged them in front of, 
in front of the city officials and said, they're teaching something that is against the Roman customs, that is against the Roman culture, and that is that there is someone else to be worshipped. They were teaching truth, and here they were being brought in front of these city officials and being persecuted because they were teaching truth. These men had lost their money, they had lost their source of income, and now they were mad about it, and, and these guys were teaching truth, so they were brought in front of the city officials a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods, with, with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Some of you know the second half of this story, and I won't spoil it for you. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Maybe we won't. Maybe you'll have to go read it for yourself. I'm not sure, but... The point is this, these men were preaching truth, Satan tried to attack them by bringing this lady who was in slavery to their doorstep. She was mocking them, chasing them around, yelling at them, and finally Paul turned around and cast a demon out of her, and now all of a sudden, these men could no longer make money off this lady who was enslaved to them. And it was all... Because of the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ is what set Lydia free. Even though she, she had a pretty good life and she had a pretty good living. And the fact that she was a maker of purple. She was doing alright for herself. But she was still enslaved to the bondage of sin. And then she heard this message that Paul brought. And she believed it. She believed it. Then we got on the flip side. We've got this. We've got some people that were slave owners. Owned this girl who they were taking advantage of and making money off of, who was demon-possessed, and Paul cast a demon out of her, and all of a sudden those slave owners could no longer take advantage of her, and they could no longer make their money. And as a result, Paul and Silas are beaten with wooden rods and put into prison. Here's the message. Whether you are, whether you have a decent living and you have a decent life and things are going pretty good in your life and things maybe seem like they're okay in your life, God can still rock your world by showing you that, that Jesus Christ is what you really need. This message that Paul used to preach, this message that he preached to everyone that we still read about in this book, that God can still show you that this is what you need. If you're a slave owner and you're taking advantage of somebody and, and you're, you're seeing somebody else as a means to an end, Jesus Christ is still exactly what you need. You see, Paul shook up their world by casting this demon out of this girl and all of a sudden they could no longer gain fa fame or fortune or wealth off of this lady. And Paul was still preaching the same message that you will not fame, find fame, fortune, or wealth you will not find those here on this earth, but you will only find it in the kingdom of God. Or maybe you're like this woman in this message where the demon was cast out of her. Maybe you've had your world turned upside down. Maybe you were, you were turned the wrong way and, and, and searching for fulfillment in something else. And, and maybe somebody took advantage of you. And the same message that Paul and Silas preach is the same message that applies to you, that, that Jesus Christ is the only place that you'll find that fulfillment, that you'll find that self-worth that you're so desperately looking for. 
And no matter what's your case, or, or maybe you're like the city officials and you're looking at other people and you're saying, you know what? Those Christians don't know what they're talking about and they're doing the wrong thing and they're, they're, they're not worshiping the right God. See, the thing about it is, is that Paul was like that at one time when his name was Saul. And he actually persecuted Christians in the same way that these city officials were persecuting him. And Paul is taking this message and saying, you know what? I used to be like you. I used to be like you. I used to persecute Christians too. But I found the truth. And I found the truth in Jesus Christ. A message to you today, no matter where you are in this story, Jesus Christ is the answer. Maybe you feel like in your life that you're enslaved in some way, that you're a slave to sin, and that there's no, ways, no way out, that there's no possible way that you could escape from the trap that you're in. The answer is the same today as it was when Paul preached it, and that Jesus Christ is the only way out. That Jesus Christ is the only answer for whatever's going on in your heart. So no matter where you are today, no matter what you're struggling with, the answer is Jesus Christ. It always has been and always will be. The only question now is how you'll respond to it how you'll respond to that truth. Will you be like Lydia? Will you believe what Paul said? Or, or will you be like the slave owners? I said, now, where am I going to go for fame and fortune and wealth? If, if, if God has taken that all away, where am I going to go? You've got a choice as to how you respond. You always do. God doesn't force you to believe anything. He, he gives you the opportunity and the invitation is your, your ability to respond. You've got a chance to respond now. Where is it that you look for your hope? Where is it that, that, that your passion lies? Is it in people or is it in something else? Church, if you're, if you're a member of this body of believers, if you're a member of this group that, that believes that, that people are, are exactly what God has called us to, to reach, what are we doing? Are we doing things to reach those people? Are we looking to the people that seem lost and searching and, and looking everywhere else for hope? Are we doing what God's called us to do, which is to go and make disciples, teaching them whatsoever he has told us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Are we doing that? Because if we're not, we're not doing the right thing. We have a chance now to respond. Father, thank you so much, God, for your word and how it challenges us and how it corrects us and how it loves us. Lord, I pray that right now, God, we just respond to you. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the truth that Paul preached that we still preach today. And that is that Jesus Christ is the only answer. So, Lord, now we lean into Jesus Christ, our hope, God, the source of everything that we need. God, I pray that we would just worship you now. God, that we would respond to you now. God, as we respond to you, that would be an act of worship to you. Now, whatever it is in our life that we're looking for, whatever it is that we need to do, God, I pray that we would just respond to your Holy Spirit now. Father, you're good and you're loving and you're kind. God, may we just run to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would everyone stand?